Hi, this is Annie Singer from Recipe, and you're listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. Food bloggers, welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and confidence that will move the needle forward in their businesses. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 255 with Annie Singer. Annie is going to teach us today how to add an additional revenue stream to our food blogging businesses. Annie is the founder of Recipe, the first ad-free recipe platform that's equitable for small creators. They are a platform like Netflix or Spotify that recipe creators contribute content to and are paid for the viewership to the recipes. They are launching a website-based version of their subscription service in November 2021. Hey, Annie, thank you so much for joining me today inside this episode. So happy to have you here. Um, Before we get started, though, we want to hear your fun fact. Sure. Um, So I actually fought Muay Thai competitively for about five years when I was a young adult. Whoa. How did you get into that? It was kind of just something I woke up one day, I I was familiar with what it was, what Muay Thai, which is, it's like Thai kickboxing. Um, I was familiar with it because my brother had taken a Muay Thai class years before, and I was sort of in a new place in my life. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do Muay Thai. And I went to one class and was basically hooked from there. Oh, isn't that funny? I love it when that happens, when you don't really expect to get hooked onto something and you go, you show up. And then you realize that you need to keep doing it. That is great. I love it. It's like your soul pulling you in or something just within you. Yeah. That's so cool. Love it. I don't think I've had anyone share that fun fact before. So that is a unique one. Um, So let's talk today about adding an additional revenue stream to our businesses. I think everyone's like, yes, please. Hands are raised. Uh, There are so many ways to make money, food blogging, and I always say this, but we do get trapped in that thinking that like display ads are the only way. So a lot of people get really hyper-focused on that. And also, I think bloggers are really hesitant to work with ad-free recipe platforms. So do you want to just start talking about that, why you think that is, and how we can overcome that? Um, So from what I've seen you know, and conversations that I've had, there's always a hesitancy, there's a skepticism. Um, And I think the reason because the reason why that is, is because people have tried to take advantage of food bloggers and, you know, creators in general, bloggers in general, in the past. Um, And actually, this business idea for Recipe was sort of born out of seeing another similar platform fail because they failed to address the issues that food bloggers have. It's a two-sided relationship where, you know, consumers want ad-free recipes. And so people have, you know, found creative ways to serve up ad-free recipes, like using scraping software, where you input a URL for a food blog, it scrapes the content and the user gets, you know, the instructions and the ingredients without having to deal with ads or big finger quotes here, the life story um, that food blogs have. So recipe, I'm, I'm taking a different attitude because I think that food bloggers are an important part of the picture. Um, and I think that's going to be integral to the success. And I think we can all be really successful together. Um, I'm, I'm not taking the approach of, you know, recipes without the life story because the story is important. Um, and 
you know, food is a cultural thing and it's a historical thing and it's a familial thing. Um, and so when food bloggers want to share those stories, I think it's important to respect and honor that. Um, so, you know, I, I think food bloggers have been treated poorly in the past. And so that's why they're so hesitant to build relationships with platforms that are trying to serve content in like an ad-free way. So recipe, how do they incorporate the stories? How do you incorporate the stories from food bloggers posts into your platform? So it's, it's going to be a lot of adjusting based on the actual data that we get to start out. We're formatting the recipe pages so that, you know, the ingredients and the instructions are at the top of the page with just, you know, a simple photo of the final recipe results. And then below that, we're going to have any additional content, which might be tips and tricks to get the recipe right, which might be, you know, how this recipe came about, the development process. Um, so right now at this point, just starting out because, you know, my development budget is limited. I don't actually know usability-wise, you know, um, what will be successful. But we're, so we're just restructuring to start by putting those stories below the actual content that people need to execute the recipe. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how people are using it. We'll look at the data. We'll listen to feedback from creators. We'll listen to feedback from our actual users and see, you know, how can we optimize this so that people still have those important parts of the recipe. But if you're in the kitchen and you have you know, doughy fingers, your fingers are sticky, it's still, you can still access the information that you need right at that moment. Okay. How is it structured? Can you kind of talk through the structure of recipe? Yeah. So it's, um, it's going to be similar in terms of the actual, you know, the recipe card that bloggers have as the recipe content. Typically bloggers will have a story that precedes the ingredients and the directions. And there are several reasons for that. Part of it is, is because it's information that sets the reader up to succeed. It shares tips and tricks of, you know, look out for this when you're cooking the recipe. This is what you want to avoid, or these are the adjustments you can make, or also that historical, cultural um, storytelling that happens first. Um, and then below that, they tend to have the recipe card itself, which is, you know, the time to cook, um, it's going to be the list of ingredients. It's going to be the list of directions. Sometimes it's a list of cooking equipment. Um, so we're just sort of flipping the page upside down and putting the usable, you know, the actual part of the recipe that you're, you're cooking from, you're doing the action items from, um, and then structuring the story below that. And then a full gallery of images below that. Okay. I like how you said that you're flipping it upside down and the way you described it, that's exactly the visual I was getting. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you said earlier, it's a, should be a two-sided relationship, which I think everyone listening completely agrees with because it has not always been that way in the past with similar platforms. So what is in it for food bloggers? Um, what do they get from being a part of your platform? Um, so initially it's, it is going to be slow to scale. We're expecting that we'll be able to pay significantly more per recipe view than ad networks. Or, you know, if you do a sponsored post, that fee compared to how many views you get to the recipe. Um, so per recipe view, I expect to be able to pay 20 to 30 cents per recipe view, um, which is like 200 to 300 RPM or RPV. I've heard different terms, you know, among food bloggers, which is um, per thousand recipe views. Um, and so I'm, I, 
from from the food bloggers I've talked to, sort of the the sweet spot is like 20 to 30 RP, RPV, which is per thousand views, right? So each thousand people that come to your website, you earn 20 to $30. And obviously there are people who, you know, have a lot of experience and they have well-structured blogs, they have audiences who love them and they do earn on that higher end above 30 RPV. Um, but from, from the general people I've talked about, that sort of where, you know, that revenue is at. And so we're hoping again, to be able to about 10 X that. Um, and so the way that we generate the revenue to pay food bloggers, that premium rate is going to be through paid memberships. So a user is going to pay um, either $5 per month for unlimited access to recipes or $50 per year for unlimited access to the recipes on the platform. And then we're going to redistribute that. Um, right now, we're starting out with 75% going to creators, 25% going to things like processing fees, technology fees. Um, currently, I'm a one-person show, and I am paying money to run this company, so you never have to worry about you know me pocketing all of the money. Um, so it's just, you know, 75% is going to go straight to creators. And then that 25% is going to go to support business costs. And so using that paid membership model, we're expecting to be able to significantly beat what you would earn on AdSense, what you might even earn on Mediavine or other premium networks. How do you recommend we get our audiences there? What are the benefits and perks for them? Um, so Ad-free and usability focus are the biggest things. Um, from, from what I've had conversations with consumers is that they, they dislike the user experience that sort of food bloggers are cornered into because if you want to earn a livable revenue, a reasonable revenue, you need to have ads on your page. Um, you need to structure the content so that people view multiple ads. And that's another reason sometimes that bloggers have that story before they have the ingredients and the directions. Again, it's not the only reason, but um, that means that users have to scroll past three or four ads before they get to the part where they're actually making the recipe. Um, there are pop-up and you know, intrusive ads, autoplay videos, and even just pop-ups on the web page that capture email address, which again, there's a reason they're there. And that's because that helps support bloggers. And that's an important thing. So we're creating an alternate solution where we get the chance to focus on user experience without needing ads, without needing affiliate links, without needing sponsored content. Um, so we're, we're really hoping to just optimize for user experience so that the people who want the people who want free recipes, they will go to your blog no matter what, because they don't want to pay for our subscription. But some people actually want, you know, they're, they're willing to compromise and pay $5 a month or $50 a year to get access to ad free recipes while still supporting creators. I love having other alternatives for earning money because I feel like so many bloggers get to a point where they're like, wow, I'm doing a lot of work and I'm getting very little in return. And I know that you included in your notes, like you have data that kind of backs this up. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I think this will all resonate with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've run a few sort of small scale surveys. Um, I have a background actually in marketing research. I have my master's degree in marketing research. Um, so I 
have spent a lot of time surveying and learning about research methods. And so I've run it to the creators that I've had conversations with. So obviously this isn't representative necessarily of every single creator, um, but I've talked to dozens of creators, typically on the newer end. So maybe they've been running their blog for one or two years Fewer, I've talked to fewer who are, you know, who have been in the industry for five, 10 years. They're, you know, making their full-time wage, their full-time earnings. So take this data with a grain of salt. Um, but from the surveying I've done, 78% of the creators that I've talked to don't think that they earn a fair wage for the amount of time that they put into their food blog. Because creators, some, some will put, you know, 10, 15 hours into a single post or, you know, even more than that because you have to develop the recipe um, and then you have to, you know, make it a few times, you're spending money on ingredients, and then you have to photograph it, you have to do your videos, you have to do post production. And then after that, you still have to market that post, you have to build graphic graphics for it, share it on social media, share it to your email list. So there's a ton of work that goes into each and every recipe and each and every post that food bloggers create. Um, and so additionally, what we found is, you know, that that 20, I'm hoping, I hope I'm doing my math right, 22% who do think they're earning a fair wage for the amount of time they put into their food blog, those people were significantly more likely to report that they used the combination of ad earnings, affiliate links, and sponsored posts. Um, so they have, you know, many multiple different revenue streams. Um, and so that's how they support a wage that, that they feel is fair to them. However, those three things, when you're combining so many different revenue sources together, can negatively impact the user experience where, you know, you have advertisements, you have affiliate links, which may, you know, may have trust, trust concerns for your users, um, sponsored posts, again, people, you know, they don't want to think they're being advertised to. And obviously, a lot of users don't have a problem with that. And it's not to say that anyone is bad for doing, you know, seeking multiple revenue streams. Um, but those tend to be like negatively correlated with user experience. Um, so the more the more different revenue channels you build within one blog post, you know, there are going to be concerns for user experience. So, you know, I wanted to solve the problem of, you know, we can pay bloggers more generously than they would earn from combining sponsorship, affiliate links and ads. Um, but focus also on that user experience so that users don't have to worry about pop-ups if you know they have sticky fingers and they have to you know wake their phone screen up again they don't have to scroll back through the story and past ads to find the specific piece of information they're looking for um, so it's sort of it's just an alternative way that bloggers can earn you know a fair amount of money for the work they put in and one of my big goals was to make this platform as low investment as possible, where if you have a Patreon for your users, you're expected to, you know, create additional premium content, um, which food bloggers already have too much to do. They're already, you know, running an entire business, running their entire marketing plan themselves and producing the content. Um, so I'm hoping that by, you know, we're, we're only promising access to user optimized content. We're not promising exclusive content. 
Um, so the work that you've already done can easily be translated to our platform without additional work. And you can just earn more money in a different way from that same content you've already created. That is all great. I love that. And it sounds like you, through Recipe, are kind of solving some of those pain points for food bloggers, right? So um, you're taking away that um, user frustration. That's one point that I think we all feel when we get into doing brand work and then we add a bunch of affiliate information and then the ads are slightly intrusive sometimes. Um, And so adding all of those together, it can really interfere. But what are some of the other big pain points that we face constantly that you are solving through your platform? So through, you know, other questions that I've asked users, we found that the biggest pain point is growing social media audiences. Um, The second biggest pain point is just generally driving more traffic to their website. And then the third pain point is making money from ads. And that's likely because, you know, you're just you're earning fractions of pennies per visitor that sees the ads that you're displaying. Um, And so Recipe, we don't, you know, we're not a Instagram growth platform. We can't grow your social media audience. But, you know, we're we're doing our own marketing. We're on social media ourselves. We're going to have a PR strategy and we're going to have a social media strategy, a growth strategy. Um, and so we're building it as a discovery platform. So, you know, we at the beginning, obviously, we're going to encourage our creators to share our platform with their audience. We're going to have, you know, an affiliate for our own platform to our creators. But ultimately, the goal is to grow a sustainable community of subscribers where you don't ever have to worry about sending traffic to Recipe. We're actually sending our own users to your recipes through our dashboard. Um, and so in its version one, it's um, what the tech world calls minimum viable product or MVP, which is just the starting out version of it. We're going to have our homepage, which will be sort of a discovery dashboard. We'll have a few creators highlighted on the, the homepage. So, you know, a user hits our page, they found us through an advertisement that we paid for, and they're discovering your content. So you don't have to worry about sending traffic to Recipe. Um, and so I'm hoping that it will in itself, again, just be a simple Simple extra you can add on where you're still running your business the same. Recipe doesn't impact your blog. Um, You know, we're not touching the traffic that you send from your social media. It's just an extra bonus that we're also driving traffic to your content. Okay, I have a few questions about that. But first, before I forget this, who do you think this is for? So is it for a newer blogger, someone who's been at it for a few years or experienced blogger or all of the above? Um, my goal is to appeal to all of the above. Obviously, if you're already earning, say, $1,000 a month or $5,000 a month from your blog, you know, I can I can say, you know, we expect to be able to hit 30 cents per recipe view. But if it's only five users, that's still not going to be significant enough to warrant your time and attention. Um, so, I have been focusing largely on smaller bloggers who either are newer to earning revenue or they may not have monetized yet because they don't meet page view requirements or they, you know, with with programs like Amazon Affiliate, you have to refer three sales within your first few months. Um, So largely targeting newer audiences, but I'm also working right now on something that will benefit any any blogger and it may appeal to other 
um, other creators who maybe have more experience. Um, what I'm trying to do, and again, this, this is still in the process. I can't make any guarantee or promises, but I'm in the process of speaking with attorneys about setting up some sort of equity options um, that will be available to creators. And so what that is, is, you know, startups, they have uh, their stock shares, basically, um, and they'll create what's called an equity options pool for employees. And that means that their first, you know, however many, 10 or 15 or 50 employees um, will have the option to, you know, have equity or, you know, partial ownership in the business. Um, and that's really so that they take personal ownership. They take personal ownership of their work. You know, they're more motivated because they have skin in the game when it comes to the success of the company. This is such great stuff, Annie. I'm going to interrupt you for just a little bit here. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back in a minute. Hey, food bloggers. Do you ever get caught up in the confusion about how in the world you are going to make money? Take the free quiz I've put together for you that is going to help you get to the bottom of this problem. Go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash quiz to find out which stream of revenue is the next perfect one for you. Your results will be personalized based on your answers, and they will provide you with action steps and resources that will help you launch into monetizing your blogging business in a new way. There are truly so many ways to make money as a food blogger, so don't waste another second. Again, go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and get started on your next revenue stream today. Hey, it's me again. I am just hopping on here now to talk a little bit about the awesomeness of the Eat Blog Talk Mastermind program. Some of you are in it and loving it and getting so much value from it. And for those of you who are not yet in it, I wanted to give you just a really quick testimonial from one of our members, Barbara Curry from Butter and Baggage. She had such nice things to say about the Mastermind program, so I wanted to be sure to share this with you. This is Barbara's quote. Since joining the EBT Mastermind program, I have developed confidence in myself and what I can accomplish. We have all learned from each other, new skills, shortcuts, ways to be more efficient, and courage to try new things. It's a place where we can brainstorm ideas and get honest feedback. The group gave me confidence to try something outside of my comfort zone, which turned out to be a huge success. I learned that something I was reluctant to try ended up being something I love. Without their support and encouragement, I'm not sure I would have tried it. It's a non-competitive place where I learn something new and helpful every week. It is the best investment I could have made. End quote. Barbara says it all there. Just wanted to share that with you guys. If you're interested in joining the waitlist for the Mastermind program, go to eblogtalk.com to do so. We are back from the break. Thank you for listening. And Annie, why don't you continue what you were saying earlier? So I am in the process of trying to figure out, you know, what type of equity, what equity options for creators would be beneficial so that you know, I, the tagline is recipe is the first ad free recipe platform that's equitable for creators. Can I make that literal where I'm giving equity to creators so that, you know, I'm not the only one who benefits from this platform. If in 10 years, we're as big as Patreon, and you know, we sell or we go public or whatever it is. Um, I want creators to have an actual voice and stake in the, the company. Um, and so that's something again, 
I don't have the paperwork ready, but I am in the process of talking to attorneys to see if I can set something up where creators are literally having equity options, where they have partial ownership in this business, um, which I hope, you know, and I have, again, I'm bringing up all my surveys and I might sound a little bit silly, but the creators that I've talked to um, when comparing things like affiliate deals. So, you know, an affiliate deal I'm considering is giving 100% of the first first month of the subscription. Um, so if someone, you know, signs up for five, $5 a month monthly subscription, the creator who refers them will get 100% of that first month. Um, and so I've been asking people comparing, you know, what would be more motivating for you to want this company to succeed and for you to take action to help help us grow in those first beginning months. Um, and people have expressed more interest in, you know, having an equity state um, because the long-term success of the, the organization at that point is their own long-term success. I love that you've been surveying and asking other food bloggers opinions, because I think that is vital to your success. And I think that's where a lot of um, platforms similar to this one go wrong. They just dig in and they're like, well, we know what's going on. They're kind of in it for themselves. But you really are taking every perspective into account, it seems like. That's my goal. And obviously, I can't make generalizations and speak, you know, food bloggers are not one group. It's not one mindset or one person. There's such a diverse number of opinions and feelings towards their blog. Um, I want to be sensitive and respect that and respect creators on an individual basis. So I've spent the last, you know, since May, basically building relationships with creators, um, talking to them and, you know, seeing seeing what their viewpoint is and how how they independently, them as an individual, how they struggle. Um, so the surveying has been both quantitative in, you know, I send, you rate this on a number scale, but for the most part, it's been qualitative, which means I'm having conversations and I'm exploring what people are experiencing. I think that is awesome. And you touched on this a little bit, a little while ago, but I want to ask you about kind of some logistical stuff. So what exactly is being copied I shouldn't say copied, but taken, um, what information is being taken from our sites and put on recipe? And how does that work? Like, is everything no indexed? Are you, because, you know, I think people will worry about like the duplicate information issue. So talk about that. Um, So I personally, I have a background in SEO search engine optimization. I've been working in SEO since 2013. So for a while now, um, and I'm very aware of SEO implications of duplicate content, um, or even, you know, if you go on our platform, will your content on our website compete with your own content on your blog? Um, And so the way it works is with explicit permission. So this isn't, someone else can't submit your content to our platform. It's only you, you can decide this is right for me. This is something I want to explore. We have you sign a licensing agreement, which is non-exclusive. So your content, the exact same content can also appear on your blog or can appear on your Patreon or wherever you're posting it. Um, So only with your explicit permission, we upload your recipes to our platform and they're reformatted in a way that is, specifically designed for user experience and user friendliness. Um, So like I was saying, we flip the page upside down so that the instructions, the ingredients are right at the top. 
Um, and then below that is going to be the storytelling or, you know, the tips and tricks to get the recipe, right? Whatever supporting content you have, which varies from person to person. Um, and then below that, it's going to be a full photo gallery of the photos that, again, with your permission, we're using um, so that users can visually explore, you know, the steps of the recipe or what it'll look like as a final result. Um, and so everything except for a brief preview is gated by a paywall. Um, so the preview is just going to be like a main image. A it's like a, a meta a meta box. You know, when you search in Google chicken recipes, it comes up with a little preview image, the title and a little description. Um, and so that's going to be sort of the information that we're presenting users for free is, you know, one one sample image and then a brief de description of the recipe so that they can then decide that they want that full content. Um, and then the full recipe is going to be gated by a paywall. So you never have to worry about users accessing that recipe and, you know, using the, the information that you put so much time and effort into um, without contributing to your revenue. Um, and then we're also no indexing the full recipe pages so that a there's never an issue with duplicate content where Google's like, you know, 40% of your blog content is a copy of Recipe. There's no, no concern for that because we're no indexing everything and putting it behind that paywall. Um, so you never have to worry about duplicate content issues um, with SEO because it's no index, it's behind a paywall. But then you also never have to worry about your, your recipe on Recipe competing with your own blog um, and showing our result above you because, you know, our full recipe results aren't even going to be indexed in Google. That is great information. And I love that you have an SEO background that kind of gives me a little bit of reassurance because I don't know the background of a lot of other yeah. people who, yeah. So you're like, well, I don't know. Do they, did they think through this issue? <laughs> yeah. SEO was, you know, sort of top of mind with me just because I've been working in SEO for doing them eight, eight years or whatever it is. Um, and it's been central. I've, I've done, you know, I've had roles that are like director of marketing, that type of thing. But SEO has always been an important and interesting channel to me. It's something that's, you know, really exciting because there are, you know, billions of searches each and every day. And just the thought process of how does content come to the top? How do you get in the top? Um, that's always been of interest. It is fascinating once you dig into it a little bit and it's so important. So I, I love that you've thought through all of that. What if somebody is listening and they have ads on their blog, but this sounds intriguing. Do you recommend doing it simultaneously while running ads or do you recommend this for people who don't have ads or like how to work through that? Any insights? Yeah. Um, so if you're a food blogger who creates content, we want to work with you is basically the bottom line. Um, we absolutely want to work with new bloggers who are just starting out. Maybe they don't even have a blog yet, but they've been developing recipes and shooting photographs and all that kind of stuff. We want you on our platform and we're trying to create zero barriers to help you start earning for your content. Um, I know when you're a new blogger, things like purchasing your own domain or, you know, if you're starting a Patreon, there's a fee for Patreon. All of these types of things can get really expensive if you're earning zero dollars from your content already. Um, so we want to reduce that barrier. We do want new creators who don't already have existing audiences 
But we also work really well with bloggers who, you know, have an existing audience. You already have a blog or maybe your blog's already successful. And we want to work as an additional channel. We're not replacing your blog. Um, you're not, you know, creating exclusive content for us while still running your own blog and your own business and marketing your own blog. Um, we just want to be an added channel um, to, to help you build as an extra revenue source. So maybe you're doing affiliate sales and you're doing advertisements. We can be that third channel. That's just one more way that you can monetize your content. Um, and again, in the long run, it's our goal to build our own user base so that we are internally driving traffic to your recipes and we're as low maintenance as possible for you. Um, and so a question that I've had from a lot of people is, is this going to detract from my blog or is this going to detract from my blog income? Because, you know, people are now using your platform to access my content instead of my platform. Um, and so to that, you know, A, if we're paying, you know, five to 10 times as much as you would earn from your blog, um, us sending more traffic is a good thing because the more traffic we have, you're, you're earning proportionately much more than you would on your own blog. However, that doesn't mean we want to replace your blog. Um, and blogs are a place where you can, you know, be more creative and be, you know, you can build your own brand, you build your own reputation, you build your, build your own visual style that, you know, really contributes to, you know, your, your personal brand or your blog brand. Um, and so what, what I love about the recipe space is that it's vast, it's endless. So, you know, if, if we're able to acquire a million paying subscribers, you know, that's a million people that we can refer to your recipes, but there are still going to be hundreds of millions of more people searching for free recipes online and they don't want to pay for our service. So they're going to access your content through your own blog, you know, maybe where you're running ads or you have affiliate deals or you have some sort of product you're selling. Um, there are still going to be, you know, a hundred times more people that want your blog content for free on your blog than who want to pay for a membership. So it's sort of just, you know, we're, we're finding a solution for the people who want content without ads, but obviously who still have some concern for creators, um, because, you know, they, they, that's why, you know, platforms like Patreon exist is because we want to support creators, um, and we see that work that's going into creating this type of content. Um, but for every one person who wants to do that, there are 10 more that would just rather visit your blog. So, you know, I think in the long run, we're not really going to be competing with food bloggers. We're not going to make a dent. There will be no noticeable difference um, in your traffic or your income from your blog just because it is such an endless, you know, enormous space. That's a great point, too. You're reaching people with different needs. So it's not like you're necessarily taking away from your audience that exists. You're just maybe actually um, addressing a new issue with a new audience and saying, oh, here, for those of you that don't like ads, you can come over here. So I love that approach because I tend to think like, well, wait, why would we take people who are coming to my blog and move them there? But maybe those aren't the people that would go there anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's it's really just about both users and creators having more options, having more choices and having something that fits for you. Right. Yep. That made sense to me. I really liked when you were talking through that. And I want to point this out. I love what you said in your notes. I want you to say this because this really stood out to me as well. 
um, you're not addressing the issue that like, quote, food food blogs are bad because, you know, a lot of people have that perception, but you're addressing another issue, which I think is really important to state. So would you mind just talking through that? Yeah. um, So from what I've seen from other companies and, you know, the examples where they go viral in a negative way on Twitter, their attitude and the the foundation of whatever they're building is that food blogs are bad. Um, Food blogs aren't bad. I'm just, you know, I I don't want anyone to think that that is my opinion towards food blogs because I use food blogs all the time. Um, I love the you know, wide variety of stuff where people who may not have access to the publishing industry can still distribute their content where they wouldn't, you know, conventionally be successful as a published cookbook author. Now there's more opportunity for diversity in, you know, the the food access, access to recipes online. Um, And so the problem I'm solving isn't that food blogs are bad. That is sometimes the perception. Um, Obviously, it's the perception of the tech bros building the products. Um, But there's a lot of, you know, the negativity of food blogs, but without the life story or, you know, food blogs without ads. Um, You know, the the problem that I'm solving for is the lack of technology. I'm not solving food blogs because, again, most users want to access food blogs, want to access content for free. They're willing to compromise seeing ads or having a pop up on the page that works for them. We're solving a usability problem for people who don't want, you know, things like advertisements or affiliate links. That's a type of user that we've noticed um, who often, you know, approach things in the context, you know, food food blogs are bad or they have a bad experience. Um, And so we're just creating a technology platform that facilitates, you know, user optimized experience, which UX, that's like a field in, you know, software and in, you know, online usability. Um, So we're creating a platform that not only helps, again, finger quotes, user experience issues, but that simultaneously pays creators fairly. Um, And so I have never personally, I have not seen a platform that does both of those things. It's sort of either we fix the blog experience, creators, we don't care about you, or, you know, we're a creator forward platform Um, You know, we're an advertising platform, a premium ad network that pays creators more, you know, at the expense of some people being irritated with more ads or certain or pop up ads or whatever it is. Um, So we're really we're trying to facilitate both the user optimized experience as well as fair payment and fair treatment for creators. Oh, I love that. What a great um, just kind of value that you've set. And I think that will land on ears that are ready to hear that because um, we often feel like people don't support us because there are all those ridiculous memes that travel Mm -hmm. around the internet and it's like, okay, clearly you like our recipes, but you are complaining about the stories. You know, it's not for everyone. Like food blogs are not for everyone, but everyone loves the recipes, right? And I think that that stems from both racism and misogyny or patriarchy um, in that, you know, we we want you to shut up and make a sandwich for us. We don't want the life story. We don't want, you know, it, it's, it's an exchange of value and people feel entitled to only the part that they want without concern in this case for the creator. Um, and so we're, we're trying to find the balance between that of we're not, we're not taking away the story. We're not, you know, we, we want to honor that. 
but we're giving users the option of the way that they receive it. And instead of, you know, paying in their time, you know, scrolling through and seeing ads, they're paying literal money so that creators can make that money. That's so interesting. Um, and it's funny because I see people post things about food blogs who I really respect and admire. Like women friends are posting stuff about us. And I'm like, wait a second, how is this possible? People just don't get the full scope of it. And that's okay. I mean, we can't expect everyone to understand. But it is surprising when you see someone that you think you know, you're like, oh, interesting. And that's yeah, that that's why I I explicitly avoid ever, you know, ever saying ads but or you know, recipes but without the life story. Some people will come to our platform for that reason because it's easier to avoid the again finger quotes life story if it's below the the usable recipe part. Um, and so that that's a compromise that this platform makes is that users some users are choosing not to see that. Other users, you know, a lot of that has value in the storytelling and, you know, in the tips and tricks, people don't realize that the, the creators are sharing all of the things that went wrong in the first five times they tried the recipe. Um, and so that content is there to help you do it right. Um, but some people want to pay a premium just to, you know, to be able to avoid that. And that's sort of their, in this case, that's their choice. They can pay, they can, you know, get to the recipe, execute the recipe and walk away. Um, but again, we're not eliminating that content because we think that 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 is part of the integrity of the work that creators are doing is that storytelling, the cultural background, the historical background. Um, so we're, we're we could have the messaging of, you know, food blog content without without the life story or, you know, cut out the, the only the recipe. I've seen platforms saying things like just the recipe, um, which appeals to that certain type of person who sees only their own benefit, which is I want this for utility purpose. Um, I'm entitled to just the recipe because that's what I want. Um, and so again, it's striking the balance between we do want to give users what they want. And we want to appeal to people who want a simplified user experience for recipes. But we also don't want to disrespect the integrity behind the recipe. Mm, I love this, Annie. This is so great. So how can food bloggers get onto your platform? You said it's available November, right? So is there like a wait list or something? Yeah. So right now we have both a consumer and a creator wait list um, on our website. It's recipe.com and that's spelled R-E-C-I-P-L-E. -E. So just the word recipe, but with an extra L in there. Um, and so we have a button on there that says I'm a creator. So you go to the creator page. Um, and there is a sign up process to join our wait list. And we're actually in the process of onboarding our first batch of creators right now. Um, and so if you're one of this initial group to sign up before we actually go live next month, there are going to be some benefits like VIP onboarding, um, where again, we're going to do all of the work of transferring your content to our platform, you're not going to have to log in and submit content manually. And then again, like I was saying, we're working on equity options for creators. And this is probably not something we're going to be able to do from day one, from the second we launch. But I'm hoping within a few months, we'll be able to get actual ownership options for that first batch of creators who sticks. It's, it's going to be a slow process building our own audience and that kind of stuff. 
Um, so for those people willing to stick with us from the start, we really want to reward that. Mm, that's great. So everyone go check that out. And before we start saying goodbye, Annie, is there anything you want to say about Recipe before we say goodbye? Um, I'm just really excited to start more conversations and build more relationships with creators. Um, and I am always learning in this process and I am open to learning. Um, so I really hope that people, you know, will have authentic conversations with me, tell me the hard stuff I may not want to hear, um, but also, you know, share in the success of this. Project. So exciting. I'm excited for you just to watch your platform and your business grow. And I hope that this is really beneficial for, for food bloggers and that it takes off for both sides. So thank you for being here, Annie. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Before you go, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers? Yeah, um, I have this quote. It's a Swedish proverb um, that I think really applies to every area of your life. And personally, for me, it applies a lot to business. And that is shared joy is a double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. And that to me is like, you know, when you're having you, when someone tells you no in your business, or in this case, your blog, or you get negative feedback, sharing that sorrow or sharing, you know, the things that are bothering you and upsetting you helps take such a load off where, you know, you, you've expressed that and now you have more space to process it. And on the flip side, shared joy is a double joy. When you hit that first, you know, affiliate commission or you hit that thousand dollar a month milestone, shout it from the rooftops because people want to share that joy with you and it'll just amplify it. Oh, such an important message. I absolutely love that. I feel like we get to the point where we're like, well, I have to keep this quiet and for whatever reason, we feel like we can't share those celebrations, those successes with people, but we should be, right? And Because yeah. people want to celebrate with us. And, you know, in, in this business, it took me months to talk about it with friends and family because of, you know, the, the shame of what if I fail and what if I have to tell people that I failed. Um, but, you know, the people who support you in your circle or, you know, your, your digital fan base they're, they want your success. So when you share a sorrow, they're going to be like, man, that sucks. But then when you share a joy, they're, they're just waiting for that to celebrate with you. And they're, you know, even when you share your sorrow, they're waiting for that next joy for you. And it's also inspiration, I feel like, for a lot of people. Like us yes. sharing our successes is like, okay, she can really do it. Yeah, like she got it done. So that means I can do it. And that really gives people confidence. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, such a great way to end. Thank you so much, Annie. We're going to put together a show notes page for you. So if anyone wants to go look at that and get all the information that we talked about today, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash recipe. And again, that's R-E-C-I-P-L-E. Annie, I think you've already done this, but why don't you just reiterate where everyone can find you online? You can find us online at our website. It's R-E-C-I-P-L-E.com. It's like the word recipe, but with an L thrown in there. Great. Well, thanks again for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.